Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar, hanging on by a thread, any ninny can see that, Noelle LaCroix. <laughs> and I'm story expert and Mrs. Big Pile of Dust, Lonnie Diane Rich, and we are here today to talk about Something Blue, the ninth episode of season four. Something Blue aired on November 30th, 1999, and was written by Tracy Forbes and directed by Nick Mark. All right. As you all probably know by now, this is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast. So if you have not seen all of Buffy, go watch it right now and then come on back because it'll be worth it. I'll be back in the morning with Donuts and Motherwort. All right, let's go on patrol. In Something Blue, Willow is grieving Oz and Riley invites Buffy to a picnic with ants. Because Iowa boy is smooth. Later, while on patrol, Buffy talks to Willow about Riley. Maybe he's too normal, too nice, no pain to provide the spark. In the very next scene, Buffy interrogates Spike about the commandos while Spike is being held captive in Giles' bathtub. And we get this, which is more chemistry than Riley and Buffy have ever or will ever have. Look at my poor neck. All bare and tender and exposed. All that blood just pumping away. Oh, please. Giles, make us stop. Out in the living room, Willow comes up with the idea of putting a truth spell on Spike, and Giles sends her to work. Giles and Buffy think that Willow is dealing with Oz leaving, but Spike says she's hanging on by a thread. Willow goes to Oz's apartment and finds all his stuff gone. He sent for his things. I feel like I've been split down the center and half of me is lost. I know. It feels like that now. Oz is gone. The next day, Willow doesn't show up for the truth spell, and she crashes Buffy and Riley's picnic, making it infinitely more interesting with her grief, because even Willow's pain, which hurts everyone with a heart, is more interesting than Riley talking about whatever he was talking driving a car, I think. Anyway, that night at the bronze, Willow seems happy and over it, but we discover it's just a front brought to you by beer, which we just learned is bad. And doesn't anyone pay attention to after school special messaging anymore? Jeez. That night, Willow wakes up and goes to her box of magic. She has an idea, a spell for her will to be done. It doesn't seem to work, though. Giles comes in the next day wondering what happened with the truth spell, and she explains that she forgot and tried to do a spell to have her will be done, and he talks to her about the danger of doing spells without supervision while she's grieving, and she is in no mood to hear it. You all want me to take the time and go through the pain, as long as you don't have to hear about it anymore. That's not fair. Isn't it? Because I'm doing the best I can, and it doesn't seem to be enough for you guys. And I see how you could feel that way. I do... No, you don't. You say that you do, but you don't see anything. This is why you have to be careful with your language when doing spells, people. Giles goes back home with Willow's book and supplies and tries to do the truth spell himself, but he can't exactly see. He accidentally drops the key to Spike's restraints, and Spike gets away, grabbing his leather jacket on the way out the door. Because That's of right, priorities. <laughs> priorities. Giles calls Buffy while she's talking to Willow, and Buffy has to go get Spike. Willow says she'll find him in two seconds, and when Buffy goes outside, there he is. She brings him back to Giles's. Willow goes to see Xander, who defends Buffy going to get Spike because she needs him, and then Willow sarcastically suggests Buffy marry Spike. 
And then this happens. It's just so sudden. I, I don't know what to say. Just say yes. And make me the happiest man on earth. Oh, Spike. Of course it's yes. <laughs> Never believe what's happened. At Xander's, Willow says that he is a demon magnet and then leaves. Giles calls and leaves a message for Willow while Spike and Buffy plan their wedding, with Buffy asking Giles to walk her down the aisle as he is more her father than Hank Summers ever was. Giles is touched at first and then realizes how ridiculous the whole thing is. Spike and Buffy have a jealous spat over Angel and Drusilla, but then Giles goes completely blind and Spike and Buffy work together to reverse the spell. See? This is how it's going to be. Spike will even take care of you while I'm at the magic shop. From now on, we're family. It's all right. I, I have more scotch. Buffy goes out to the magic shop to get supplies and stares into a window display with a wedding dress. Riley walks up to her and is surprised when she tells him she's marrying some guy named Spike. But Jesus, Riley, you took her on a picnic and told her you'd teach her how to drive? Arms alone only get you so far, buddy. <laughs> In the basement, Xander and Anya are attacked by demons, and they rush to Giles's and see that Giles is blind, and Spike and Buffy are getting married, and... Wait, Xander's remembering something. She told me uh, I was a demon magnet, and, and, and you two should get married. And that I didn't see anything. She did a spell. Yes. To have her will done, whatever she says is coming true. And you both were affected. I probably only escaped because I'm the Slayer, some kind of natural immunity. At the dorm, Willow shuffles sadly into her room when a demon comes up behind her and kidnaps her. The gang shows up at the dorm to find her gone and a portal burned into the rug. Anya says it's Dehofren, the guy who made her a demon 1120 years ago. They go to the cemetery where Anya can do a spell to summon Dehofren back and stop him. But Xander's current status as a demon magnet has demons coming down on them while Anya tries to create the circle and begins to recite. Down in the demon dimension, Dehofren shows Willow the chaos she has caused, but she wants to get back to her friends and help them. That is your answer? It is. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh well. Here is my talisman. You change your mind, give us a chant. In the crypt, the demons are getting the best of Anya and Xander and Buffy and Spike start making out. Willow shows up and ends the spell. The demons disappear. Spike and Buffy come back to their senses mid-kiss. The next day, all is back to normal, and Willow tries to bake her guilt away with minimal success. Buffy says this experience with Spike has her completely over the bad boy thing, so that leaves, you know, Riley. Buffy bumps into Riley on campus, and we end an otherwise excellent episode with this bit of other nonsense. You really have a lot to learn about women, Riley. You're gonna teach me. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. I made you say all the anti-Riley stuff. No, it's fine. <laughs> totally He's fine. just so terrible, though. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Riley. All right. He's just boring. He's, not- He's just <laughs> fucking boring. <laughs> 
even with the superhero initiative, he almost becomes more boring with that stuff, which I don't know how he manages to become more boring when we find out that he's kind of a little bit of a superhero. He's a like, superhero, and somehow that's worse? Like, ugh. Ugh. Right. The only thing he had going for him is that he was normal, and then when he's not normal, fuck Riley. But I mean, she does, but you know. Yeah. But, uh, but also, no, I think that's a thing. Like, I think this is a thing. No, really. Like, I think this is a thing to chat about. Like, if he was just a normal guy who was totally yeah. normal. He yeah. was just a normal guy from Iowa with his, you know, his family farm and his dogs. All yeah. right. But- he could have been a support person. He yeah. could if he, if he could possibly handle the fact that he's the man. So he has to be more powerful. But anyway, that's a whole Riley discussion. <laughs> we'll get into that. But Noel... <laughs> Now that I've dragged you off topic, let's go ahead and start the fucking episode. <laughs> so, what topic were we on? What's happening? Well, I don't even know. I get so distracted by Riley because he's just so annoying and boring. But, um, Welcome but to anyway. Still Pretty and Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, podcast where we hate on Riley. Where we hate. Well, I hate on Riley. See, the thing is, it's really nice because you like Riley. So, like, the fact that you like him makes okay, me okay, feel okay, like okay, I okay, don't okay, have okay, to represent okay. the people who like him, and you can do that. I I enjoy him. I don't know that I like. Don't take it so far as I like. like I don't know that. No, 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 no. Like he is, he is very attractive, and I enjoy like his face and his voice and the general shape of him. Uh, But uh, I'm not sure I would uh, say I like. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole. That's a whole. We're splitting semantic hairs. We're splitting (laughs) semantic hairs on Riley's head. Speaking of hair, who cares? Yes. Let me go ahead. Okay. Well, first, though, let me start this episode (laughs) off. I've already screwed it all up but that's okay um let me start it off with the question i always ask you so noel here we are it's something blue how do you like the episode um this episode is completely delightful there are isn't it though there are maybe like three things that i don't like and even then i'm like eh, that's fine but yeah (laughs) i mean this episode is completely delightful the end. We'll be back next time with... <laughs> See you later. Bye. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash chipperish. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, it is. It's just an absolute, absolute delight. But one of the things that I did want to talk about, I'm going to start off with my Buffy curly hair theory. Now, I came up with this some years ago where I was like, you know what I'm noticing in season four? And it is very specific to season four. Although I think we've had a couple of episodes like in season three where Buffy's hair was curly and it's always in this kind of alternate reality space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, apparently it's not just my theory and it is also disproven with a number of examples from completely normal episodes but there are a lot more episodes in which Buffy's hair is like not wavy we get wavy in season 5 and season 7 and that's fine you know but like generally like curly right and it's always some kind of like alternate reality uh, we just had the crimped hair in um, in Beer Bad right which was kind of an alternate yes. Buffy you know, the reality. Emmy Award winning <laughs> Buffy exactly. hair. <laughs> exactly. Um, now we have something blue, right? Her hair is all kinky and curly and everything is off. Um, and Who Are You, in which Faith takes over her body, her hair curls, right? Yes. Um, yes. But in this year's girl, right before the Freaky Friday switch, straight hair, right? So we've got that superstar where Jonathan has altered the universe. Her mm-hmm. hair is curly. Where the wild things are, in which Buffy and Riley are under that stupid fucking sex spell, and oh my god, I'm not looking forward to that episode. 
What was I saying? Oh, anyway, the whole thing is it's not actually a hugely defensible theory because it's not consistent all the time. And sometimes we have curly hair Buffy uh, in regular world. But but I will say more often than not, when we get curly hair Buffy, it's in the middle of an altered universe kind of scenario. I love that. I Weird love shit's that going so down. much. Yeah, and now <laughs> so, no, let's keep an eye out for the Buffy right? curly hair for well, the one episode where where I'm like, nope, this is a completely normal episode, and she's got the curly hair. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll all be on Buffy hair watch if we're not already, <laughs> because I mean, there's some good hair on this show. Oh yeah. Just full oh stop. yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, so I was so excited to talk about something blue because. As I was rewatching it, and by the way, this is one of the few episodes that I have watched probably more times than I can count. Oh my god, I love this episode. Because it's just so goddamn delightful. <laughs> it's so fun. But as I was watching it, you know, this, this go-round, I was like, oh my mm-hmm. god, this is like a screwball comedy. And oh, Screwball yeah. comedy mm-hmm. is one of my absolute favorite subgenres ever. I may have talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit on Still mm-hmm. Pretty already. I think we have some screwball comedy moments in other episodes, but I want to read this definition from Wikipedia Mm -hmm. for all of you lovely people out there. So screwball comedy is a subgenre of the romantic comedy genre that is widely known for satirizing the traditional love story. Mm -hmm. What sets the screwball comedy apart from the generic romantic comedy is that screwball comedy puts its emphasis on a funny spoofing of love, while the more traditional romantic ultimately accents love. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, other elements of the screwball comedy include things like fast paced, overlapping repartee, farcical situations, mm-hmm. escapist themes, and plot lines that involve courtship and marriage. Uh-huh. Um, so, romantic leads in screwball comedies typically don't actually like each other that much <laughs> at the outset. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or no, they're from- talking about. Like yeah. uh, bringing a baby is the first thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. um, with Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant mm-hmm. um, is exactly fits all of that. And it's yeah. one of the, the most classic screwball comedies. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. My Man Godfrey. It Happened mm-hmm. One Night is considered mm-hmm. to be the first screwball comedy. Yeah, and that is absolutely. a story about um, two. The the romantic leads are from two very different social classes. So Clark we've got Cable this and Claudette idea. Colbert. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we've got I this know idea. all that stuff. Yes. Well. <laughs> We have bonded off mic right. about our love of the romantic <laughs> comedies from the 1930s and 40s because they are right. delightful. They're they are so, so delightful. I know. Um, but there's this like this out. So we've got this idea of like outranking each mm-hmm. other and also um, just not liking each other that much. Right. And I love yeah. I love the exchange between Buffy and Spike at the beginning when he's in mm-hmm. the bathtub. And I mean, yes. bathtub Spike is my favorite Spike. It's Full pretty stop. sexy Spike. I'm just going to go yeah. ahead and I'm going <laughs> to put that out there. The, I love chained him Chained up in so the bathtub much. is a very, very sexy version of Spike. Yes. It's great. <laughs> and Buffy is just like loving Having all of this power over Spike, you know. Yeah. Giles, help. He's going to scold me. Like she's just living it up. Um, yeah. So it it starts off in this very screwball comedy kind of romantic setup mm-hmm. where they have this intimate contact because she's feeding him yeah. blood from a kiss the librarian <laughs> mug while he's chained up in the bathtub. Um, oh, yeah. And then... 
And then we get this ridiculous situation that brings them together, which, again, mm-hmm. is something that screwball comedy loves to do. So you mentioned bringing up Baby, mm-hmm. where the couple has to take care of a pet leopard. Right. You know, <laughs> like you do. Um, like you do. So, you know, we've got Buffy having to feed Spike through a straw and then all of, I'm, I'm sorry, but all of that business that he does with the straw. <laughs> Like, there's some excellent straw acting in this episode. There certainly is, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, the the ridiculousness of this situation of Mm -hmm. Spike is living with Giles for the time (laughs) being. And there's this, like, it's just, and then, of course, it's a spell that Mm -hmm. ultimately brings them together as a couple Mm -hmm. (laughs) in what we would think of as being a, you know, a romantic Right. Setting. Mm-hmm. They're planning a wedding. Um, you know, and the ridiculousness of marriage and the planning thereof mm-hmm. is something oh, yeah. else that we see in screwball comedies all the <laughs> time. I mean, a daytime wedding under the trees in indirect sunlight. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and so once good. again, you'll be registering as Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Big Pile, Pile of Dust. Of dust. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But like, yes. you know, in bringing up baby, the, the woman says to a third party, he's the man I'm going to marry. He doesn't know it. But I am. And it just like I so hear that kind of screwball Mm -hmm. comedy heroine in Buffy when she says to Riley, you'll really like him. Well, nobody really likes him. I don't even really like him, but I love him. Like It's just it's so wonderfully like it's so wonderfully goofy. And it's such a great satire of that Mm -hmm. like googly eyed so in love kind of feeling Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so there's this there's this this offshoot not offshoot but but maybe subgenre of a Uh subgenre of Mm -hmm. screwball comedy that's called the comedy of remarriage where characters divorce and then remarry each other and it's always you know the divorce turned out to be a terrible idea his girl friday Mm -hmm. um which I mean, has problems. No, but (laughs) no, but I love his girl Friday. (laughs) If for nothing else, it's structured like a Swiss goddamn watch. You can bounce a quarter off that structure. I teach it every year in my class, and every year I'm like, okay, there are problems. There are problems. There are a lot of problems with this, but it's so great. (laughs) It's so wonderful. It's wonderful. And Rosalind Russell, I mean, oh my god, those outfits, Jesus, (laughs) unbelievable. At some point, we're gonna have to talk about. We're going to have to talk about the romantic, romantic comedy. From the we're going to need to do a romantic yeah. comedy podcast, I think, someday. Easily. Um, <laughs> if we ever finish Buffy, which we're never going to do. We're never going to. We, 20 we minutes into this and we just can't hold on we to a topic. Even. I'm sorry. I'll shut up and let you finish. No, it's fine. It's fine. So comedy of remarriage, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. You know, couple, couple is married, gets divorced. Mm-hmm. Divorce is a huge mistake. Gets remarried again. This is a... Uh, an inverse of that yes you know mm-hmm. they're mortal enemies and then oh no they're in love and then right. they're mortal enemies again and and we, mortal get, enemies again. we get mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines in all mm-hmm. of Buffy Spike yes. lips lips of Spike <laughs> so oh god it's the best I mean and the title of the episode alone is perfect yeah. screwball comedy we don't usually oh, talk right. about episode titles but mm-hmm. you know the reference to marriage obviously something yeah. blue mm-hmm. um, but also the play on words with blue as a synonym for blasphemous or somewhat risque or bleak and of course interesting willow's yeah. dejected state is something because she's blue. something blue she's i know something and it's blue. so sad 
sad. sad. It's so sad. Willow's grief will break your goddamn heart. I mean, even in the middle of this incredibly funny, you know, high energy kind of comedy romp of an episode, you know, we have at the core of it, Willow's grief. She goes to Oz's apartment, right? And she sees all of his stuff is there. And then she goes back and all of his stuff is gone that he just sent for it. And it's just devastating. Not to mention the fact that what he left behind, like when we see the shot, what he left behind is a picture of him and her. You know, so he left all of it, everything behind, left her behind. And here she is experiencing that grief. And the thing is, is that we don't really necessarily like to think about this, but grief is the eventual cost of all love. I mean, eventually it's going to end in one way or another. At the very least, somebody's going to die. Like mm-hmm. there's always going to be. And no, that's depressing. I've just depressed everybody in the audience. Um, <laughs> but, you know. But, you know, we're all going to die. Like, <laughs> but we're all going to we're all going to die. Basically, I'm just saying that somebody like eventually if you love somebody, eventually that relationship is going to end either in separation or death. And at some point you're going to grieve the loss of that relationship. Even the bad relationships, you grieve the loss of them. And it's just part of it. And grief is as terrible as love can be wonderful. They are kind of the necessary polar opposites of each other. Um, So I think that, you know, with Willow, with her experiencing that grief and grief being, you know, as terrible as it is, like such an incredibly powerful emotion that her emotion of grief makes her even more powerful than she usually is. But it also makes her wild. It makes this power of hers, you know, like... um, uncontrolled you know (laughs) like like more empowered but uncontrolled and so then it goes wild which is so much fun and I absolutely love it yeah and it's I mean we'll talk about this when we talk about something that Buffy says to Willow Mm -hmm. in the graveyard about relationships and passion but it's that it's the strength of Willow's emotion that fuels Mm -hmm. the spell Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something I don't, there there's something really powerful in that idea, I think, of mm-hmm. the magic being connected to the emotional state. And we've I mean, we've seen this with Willow before and we will oh, see sure. it again. <laughs> this is not, not Willow's last rodeo with spells gone awry. No. Well, and not Willow's last rodeo with the intensity of emotion mm-hmm. Yeah. Being the kind of, you know, the the magic that makes the magic magic. (laughs) Being an amplifier. Yeah. From her magic. And it's also really interesting, too, about how the the spell fails when she uses the language. It is my will that my heart be healed. Right. But it doesn't do that. You know, it's when she makes statements. You know, you don't see anything. Why does she just go marry him? You know, Um, all of that ends up being her actual will happening and i find that interesting especially because my will be done and what is willow's nickname will Will. yeah you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so it's kind of neat those statements are connected to a strong emotion Mm -hmm. it's not you know she says it is my will that my heart be healed now and you can like hear (laughs) that she's not really feeling it like she doesn't really believe that that is possible. Right. It's something she wants, but it's not. She's there's making no emotional the resonance. Yeah, there. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, grieving Willow is 
really, really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, when she says to Buffy, it feels like I've been split down the middle and part of me is lost. I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. I know. I know. You know, we've, because mm-hmm. we've all been there. Whether it's, you yeah. know, maybe it's not a love relationship. Maybe it's, you know, some, you know, any, any profound loss. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, that's how it feels. It's so, oh God. Yeah. You know, and then like suddenly <laughs> when Willow is in it, like I'm in it. It's really, yeah. it's really, really oh, rough. Oh God. Um, yeah. Willow never cries alone. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, But I don't like the way her pain drinking is handled at the bronze. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Her friends act like this beer, this one light beer is a huge yeah. problem. <laughs> But she's dancing and drinking and she's hanging in there like the brave little toaster she is. And I just kind of, I'm like. And taking one night off. Like, you know, because we have this whole thing of like, didn't you, don't you remember Cave Slayer and this whole thing? And they're giving her this like after school special guilt trip about beer, which, by the way, A, she's in college. I mean, depressed or not, Mm -hmm. she's going to be doing some drinking. I mean, generally, most people. Yeah. Figure out exactly how much alcohol makes them have hangovers while they're in college. You know, that's sort of part of the whole college experience for a lot of people, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, that's that's fairly normal. Um, And so there is that huge, you know, judgment of everything that like she's doing, like because she's escaping. And it's one thing if she's drinking for one night and she gets a break from her grief for a little bit and she feels a little bit better then great. If she was drinking every night for like months or whatever and it was affecting her life then I could see them, you know, having a problem with it. But instead, it's like this big judgment, you know? Yeah. And it just felt a little weird. I don't like it. I really, really mm-hmm. don't like it. Um, I mean, she's hiding that she's drinking, yeah. which is, a, you know, it's like the teeniest, yeah. tiniest little red flag. But yeah, if you want to take a night off of your, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you want to take a from night off pain, from feeling right. what you're feeling and just like have a drink yeah. and dance and party and, you know. Yeah. Go I mean, the it. grief will be there when she wakes up. Oh, in the totally. Morning. It is when she wakes oh, up in the be middle there. of the night. You know, yeah. <laughs> it'll wait for her. It'll be there when you wake up in the middle of the night and are like, I yes. know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit I'm in a big a circle of pillar candles <laughs> in the shared bathroom. There's something so great about that to me, though. Like yeah. that visual mm-hmm. of Willow yeah. in the dorm bathroom in her plaid jammies and slippers with two dozen yeah. giant black pillar candles. Like, right. There's just, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, don't, I can't it's pretty quite awesome. put my finger on why it's so perfect, but it absolutely mm-hmm. is. And it's just one of the many things that delights oh, me God. so much about, about not just this episode, but Willow and her like, I'm going to do a spell for it. Exactly, exactly, which is something that Willow is really, really prone to do. And also something that you might be prone to do, dear listener. So let me just tell you a little something. This episode of Still Pretty is brought to you by BlueAthame.com. BlueAthame.com takes all the guesswork, measuring, and careful spell writing out of witchcraft so you can come home from work and do your spell in 30 minutes or less. Sign up for your weekly subscription. We'll send you three spells that you can fit into your busy schedule on your time. Go to BlueAthame.com and use the code LIPSOFSPIKE to get your discount count today. Or instead, you could eliminate the chances of hasty spells gone horribly awry by throwing that money directly at Chipperish Media, making it possible for us to keep your favorite podcast free and ad-free, all while we try to keep our rage quiet enough that DeHoffrin does not notice us. Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. So Lonnie, is Clive there yet? 
No, he's still on the bus. Still? It's been a week. Well, I bought him a very cheap ticket. There's like loads of layovers. I think he's in Des Moines right now. Anyway, he'll be here by the next time we record, you know, maybe. And you haven't heard from Bryony? Not a peep. You know, I think Buffy may be onto something. I need to date more boring people. Yes. Oh, my God. Find O'Reilly. Oh, God. Maybe I'll just take up a hobby. Hair gardening is nice. All right. You ready to get back into it? Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right. So I guess we can talk about Riley. Oh, my God. I mean, ugh. Okay. So Riley with his whole, like, lesbian alliance thing. Yes, I confess that I'm a lesbian. It's like this pseudo charm. You know, so was that a conversation we actually had or one that I was just practicing? Like, he's so... trying to be cute. And it's just... Really annoying. And he's so good at being cute. Oh, my Ugh. God. He's so cute. I oh like God. it. I like God. this, Riley. I I'm like. glad. I like that. I mean. <laughs> I am so floppy haired douchebaggy. Have you he's seen his arms? Overly charming. Those are good yeah. arms to have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, fine. I don't know. I, I mean, just. It's, it's so. And okay. then she's like an oral exam. And I'm like, okay, here we have this opening for an oral sex joke. We don't even get that. He's so fucking boring. And then Buffy is like, Riley seems so solid. Like, he wouldn't cause me heartache. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, first of all, grief is the cost of admission for love. So it doesn't matter how nice his arms are. He's going to break your heart at one point or another. But also, like, he's boring. Like, whenever a woman says, he seems like, you know, just like a great guy. And like, he's not going to give me any trouble. And he's so normal and all this guy like no run no just pick up again pick up a hobby gardening is great better than riley oh my god i actually i i like this riley i mean okay i think it's cute i think the idea of him like rehearsing a conversation with buffy is adorable he likes to be prepared and then not knowing what he's actually said to her and then, oh, was that a conversation I'm just r- practicing no, okay. in my head? And I've also, you're that. like an oral exam, like where no. you didn't know that you hadn't said it to them. I mean, everybody's yes. rehearsed a conversation oh, in dude, their head before. Totally. But like, <laughs> like all the time, like way more often than I would care to admit where I'm like, OK, wow. I'm, like I will think about having a conversation with someone. And it doesn't uh-huh. necessarily have to be someone, you know, cute that I want to like chat up. But with I great arms of, or anything. With right, yeah. great arms. Um, but yeah, I will think about having a conversation and mm-hmm. then realize, you know, as I'm talking to the person later, you know how we were talking about that thing on Saturday when the, and they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then yeah. I have to go back and realize, oh, I meant to discuss that with them and I never did. So uh, I, like, I, I mean, uh, I just think it's cute that he's like trying to prepare because he Like, he obviously wants to get it right with her. And he says, I love I love his line reading on. Well, you're tricky. Like, that's a line that could be like this. This exchange between Buffy and Riley could be really, really gross, especially on his end. And then he knows he knows that he's sounding like such a doof when he's like, oh, every beautiful girl has a guy who's telling her she's a mystery. And he like, yeah, he's aware that he sounds like he's being, you know, one of uh-huh. those one of those guys. Even one as of those guys. Even as he's yeah. trying really hard not to be one of those guys. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I like this Riley. I like 
that he loves driving, which I think is adorably wholesome. Oh, um, but his whole like, you can have the best time in a car speech is uh-huh. right up there with Willow's spurty knowledge speech for me. I'm like, no. Oh, is it? No. I didn't even, you know what? I was so bored. I don't even remember what he said. <laughs> it's all like, I'm like he's driving. Just like, Lay back and relax and hug the curves and whatever. Like, it's supposed to be sexy. Oh, God. He wasn't, I didn't even, I zoned out oh, because I'm hilarious. like, oh, Riley's talking. I don't have to pay oh, attention. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, he's not, he's not that direct, but it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, you just like let the, the, let the sensation mm-hmm. wash over you or whatever. Like, he's clearly, and Buffy calls him on it. She's like, are we talking? About, are we still talking about driving, right? And, and there's that moment, and he's yeah. like, I thought I was. Like, he doesn't even realize what he's saying, which I think is supposed to be cute. But that bit, that bit, mm-hmm. I want to stake the Riley yeah. like doesn't realize that he's talking about having sex mm-hmm. when he's talking about driving, which mm, I don't like it. Eh. Um, but you mentioned Riley and the Lesbian Alliance. Yeah. I don't buy it. And I'll tell you why I don't buy it. <laughs> where are the butches with the Makitas? Like, where are the, where are the, you know, where are the masculine presenting lesbians with their power tools? I mean, where right? are the femme yeah. lesbians with their power tools? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I like Riley and I like watching his arms hang banners as much as the next lesbian. Sure. But, uh-huh. um, <laughs> no, like, I do not buy this. As the lesbian alliance, like someone and, you know, you know, someone made the decision. It was like, oh, we're going to have like all like long hair, giggly femmes be the lesbian alliance at Sunnydale. And I'm like, not that there's anything wrong with long hair, giggly femmes. I Mm -hmm. like them very much. Um, Mm -hmm. My girlfriend tends to be (laughs) a long hair, giggly femme on occasion, which is lovely. But, but lesbians, I mean, come on, guys. It's 1999. <laughs> Lesbians have power tools. This is just, I, I just feel, I do not feel seen. I want okay. my media, I want my queer representation to represent okay. me as a queer lady. Anyway, anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> or to represent the whole range the of range, queer ladies. The, the, that we have the femmes represented. There are right? many colors in the gay lady there rainbow. Are. And exactly. they're all beautiful. Let's see them all. Right. Love gay lady rainbow and the only gay lady rainbow we get is riley being like yeah i'm a lesbian okay but 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 here's the thing like i actually really like that line i'll tell you why i will tell you why i mean you know how i feel about riley and now everyone knows how i feel about lesbians so that's good Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i'm glad we cleared that but i feel very much like when buffy walks up and says, yeah. is there something you want to tell me she's setting up a joke and it kind of sounds like a it it's you know like low key homophobic, uh huh. Just like her tone is low key mm-hmm. homophobic, and Riley does not take that bait at all. He just looks at the banner and says, matter of factly, yes, I am a lesbian. Like he's but that not is him taking the bait. Like he is making the joke. Like not taking the bait to say, no, I was just putting a sign up for these people who deserve to be acknowledged no, as normal because people. Because like... she's because the joke is shaming. The joke right. is. Okay, the joke is I am outing you. That's right. the joke. The joke is mm-hmm. you're not telling me that you're a lesbian and now I have found you out because you're hanging up this banner. That's the mm-hmm. joke. Because outing someone, finding out some information about someone and their sexuality is a thing that we do, especially in the mm-hmm. late 90s, as like, right. this is funny. 
And it's right. like, mm-hmm. okay, if you're, you know, if you're, you're, you know, playing a gender detective or sexuality detective on someone mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trying to catch them in the act of doing something. <laughs> and I know that yeah. I'm like expanding this into a big thing, but like that, like the, the low key homophobia of is there something you want to tell me? Like, because mm-hmm. you are associated with this group, therefore, I have found out something about you that you might not otherwise share with me. Mm-hmm. Makes me super, super uncomfortable. So when he just, he says it with no irony. He says it with no, like, wink to. Yeah, but isn't it a wink because he's a man? Like, because he can't be a lesbian because he's, I mean, I guess he can't be. I don't think he can be a lesbian because he's a man. He Well, right? I mean, without getting, without getting into like the, the splinterings all in the, the queer community of like. Gender politics. Like, I just this is, okay, all in. my yes. position, my mm-hmm. position only, he, him, lesbians are valid. They, them, lesbians are valid. Lesbians who use any and all pronouns are valid. If you identify as a lesbian, you're a lesbian. There you go. I don't okay. think that's what okay. Riley is doing. I think right. Riley is shutting down that we Riley is shutting down the notion that we're going to make jokes about lesbians mm-hmm. because he says okay. it with no with no shame. He doesn't try to distance distance himself from the idea of being a lesbian, even though he is clearly not. Um, I think that's what he's. It feels to me. Okay, I'm not gonna. Like I'm <laughs> making this last way longer no, than I it love needs this to last. Discussion. I, I love this discussion. How many times can we say lesbian on this podcast? That's what I know. Like. Let's say it a lot. Let's say it a lot. Let's normalize the fuck out of all of the terms. Well, and because, that's another thing know, too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. normalizing, like normalizing the word lesbian because we talk about, like we talk about gay rights and we talk about you uh-huh. know the gay, like you know. Gay marriage was a big mm-hmm. phrase for a while there. And when we say gay, yes, it's shorthand for everyone in the queer community. But I think right. that that by and large, haha, um, that word is associated with gay men and specifically mm-hmm. white cis gay men. Mm-hmm. So when we say yep. things like when we say lesbian, when we say bisexual, you know, mm-hmm. transgender um, intersex. Uh, yes. Who else is out there? Who else do I love out there? Uh, my <laughs> queer friends, my gender fluid friends, gender queer, uh-huh. um, two spirit, asexual, aromantic, demisexual, demi romantic. Like all of these people, yeah, are are lumped under this category of gay mm-hmm. in pop culture, and then we're supposed to be, I don't know, like super relieved when we have like white cis gay men (laughs) telling us all right what rights we want and need so Mm -hmm. i mean the the queer community can be just as problematic and patriarchal as we all can because we all live in the white supremacist in this (laughs) stupid culture that's terrible yeah so riley normalizing saying i say normalizing the phrase yes i am a lesbian i'm here for it and okay no and you know what and i love it and i'm really really glad that you have that response to it because that is a personal experience for you and so seeing it represented in that way i defer to your reading that's yeah. not that's not how I read it. I read him as making fun of it, but I like your reading better, so I'm going with that. I mean, and you know, my reading is just one of like a million different readings. So mm-hmm. 
But I like you know, it. Hashtag, hashtag I like it. I want on Twitter. <laughs> right. I want I want Noel to feel supported by stupid Riley and his stupid arms. So anyway. Oh, I don't feel supported by Riley. I just feel I feel like infinitesimally more like, right. like I'm like it's like oh it is the Acknowledged tiniest scene, yeah. It is the tiniest, tiniest breadcrumb in the you um, know especially the, like, in the in that time frame God. when, when yeah. just being you know, LGBTQ, anything was always, that's the funny thing. Oh, it's a joke. You yeah. know, it's, it's, oh, it's not a joke. joke. It's just what people are, it's you a, know, it's so, yeah. And lesbians specifically are often the butts mm-hmm. of jokes um, yeah. because we don't take women's desire seriously. And I'm going to talk about that so much more as we move through this season in particular. But um, <laughs> Right. We will absolutely get there. But before this we weekend, do, let's hold men. that. <laughs> this weekend, men. <laughs> this weekend, men. Let's talk about Giles. Giles is a good man. Giles. Okay. I love how Giles has no interest in moralizing with these kids. He's all business when Buffy spent the night with Parker he has no interest in talking about her having sex uh, when Willow says you know forget the beer he says happily and he just wants to get down to business yep. like I love the way he is as a as a father figure to these kids but also as like a colleague and a co-worker he's not interested in micromanaging their personal lives like you guys are adults you figure it out it's none of my damn business <laughs> I love that I love though how touched he is when Buffy asks him to give her away that moment where he's like, Oh, Buffy. And then of course he realizes how ridiculous it is, but it's so sweet in that moment. I almost want to cry. I love the emotional whiplash of that moment so much, especially because I'm right there in it with Giles. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yes. God. Like, she's like, this day is about family. And I'm like, that's right. Oh, <laughs> like, I know. It's so great. I just love it. I love when he goes completely blind and the two of them are kissing. He's like, it's okay. I have more scotch. <laughs> It's my favorite. I just love everything. I can hear all the smacking. I love everything Giles in this episode. So last week we had Giles as the patriarch of the family Thanksgiving dinner. And yes, I it just occurred to me like right this minute that that may be a bit of a turning point for Giles in terms of his Mm -hmm. like really solidifying his relationship with this group of people as the dad. And that's yes. something I absolutely adore about him in this mm-hmm. episode is he is very obviously, very clearly the dad. The like dad. he's everyone's yes. dad. Mm-hmm. He comes to Willow and is like, it's not like you to shirk on your responsibilities. Yeah. In a very like it's it's very much the serious talk with dad kind of yeah. scene. Um, yeah. And I love, oh God, I love him just being so irritated with the entire situation. You know, Spike is in the bathtub (laughs) screaming for telly time and Giles says, oh, you'll do what? Lick me to death? He's just, he just cannot. Like he cannot even. I love it so much. It's so great. But yeah, (laughs) but he's, he is clearly the dad in this episode. I mean, to the point that like. He knows, you know, when when um, when it's revealed to Xander and Anya that he's blind mm-hmm. and Xander is wiggling his fingers in front of Giles' face <laughs> and Giles just says, stop, whatever you're doing. <laughs> like, he just knows. He knows. Yes. He doesn't even. Need... And then 
Then we get the lovely, the punctuation. You smell like fruit roll-ups. And here, there's something about hearing Anthony Stewart Head say, you smell like fruit roll-ups. It's just like, I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Well, I'll make that into a ringtone for you and you can put it for when I call you. (laughs) You smell like fruit (laughs) roll-ups. Stop whatever you're doing. You smell like fruit roll Like, he's so disgusted. He's like, it's so clearly this, like, oh, these kids. Like, what have I gotten myself into now? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh my god I know I know um, but there is one thing though in this episode that I love we're going to get back to all the other stuff that I love because I love so so much of it but this one moment right before they figure out what happened with Willow when Xander comes in he's like and Willow was you know in my room moping and blah 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 and he goes by the way so so tired of it and then mm-hmm. Buffy's like well we're all tired of it and mm-hmm. I'm like wait a minute this is your friend who's had this horrible thing happen to her who's been in grief for what a couple of weeks Like, no, I'm sorry. When you're friends with somebody, I have walked friends through years of grief, years, and I'm always there for it. Like, and it's never an inconvenience or like, oh, my God, this person's whining again. And so there's something about that coming from Buffy and Xander, who are Willow's closest friends Mm -hmm. that I just felt so and I'm only like. I'm just like, I'm going to write it off that they were under the effect of a spell that also made them kind of assholes a little bit, maybe. <laughs> maybe in one of the, the cuts that didn't make it, Willow said, may my friends both be assholes. Like, I don't know. It just seems so cruel. And then, of course, you know, there's Anya being, you mean I don't have to be nice about her anymore? And like, I appreciate that from Anya because that's genuinely Anya. But Buffy and Xander, like that's just that rung so hollow for me. Yeah, I do not like Buffy in this episode Mm-hmm. with willow like the, yeah. the buffy who seems annoyed and you know put out mm-hmm. by her friend's pain yeah I, like and it seems yeah. out of character for buffy it is out of character um, it's completely out of character like what was it just a couple of weeks ago she had to leave willow but didn't want to leave willow yeah you know um and yeah like that was uh, that was really hard for her and she struggled with leaving willow when willow was was grieving like that you know yeah um so yeah i just i don't know it feels out of character it feels like even for xander it feels out of character because xander is is quickly especially in season four we're, we're getting Getting the Xander that, you know, we kind of come to know and love throughout the rest of the run of the season or the series um, where he is the heart. He's the one. He sits and talks to people in their pain. He sits with people in their pain. That's what Xander does, you know. And so I don't know. I find it really irritating to have just that throw away like and they could have cut that out and it would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But they have this so, so tired of it, you know. And then Willow, we have Willow talking about that. Like, you know, my friends don't want to listen to me talk about it. They don't want to. But here I am in this painting. You know, what? Willow's right. Yep. Yep. The only person who's kind to Willow in this is Riley. Yeah. You know, when they're picnicking and Buffy is so put out because her friend Mm -hmm. has come over and, you know, is all depressed. Riley invites Mm -hmm. her to sit down. And then they have that, like, awkward, adorable conversation about the apples turning brown. Right. It's Riley's only good moment. (laughs) It's the only time when I'm actually interested in Riley is when he's being nice to Willow. And this is not the first time that he's been nice to Willow. Like, No, no. He's been really good to Willow. I appreciate the... Riley as a friend to Willow. Yeah. You know, it's an itty bitty little arc, but it's there. And I like it. I like it. that relationship so much better than the Buffy and Riley relationship. I mean, 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's move on from Riley because, oh, God. But Spike in this episode is, like, my favorite thing. I love everything about Spike. I love all the flavors of Spike. We have Chained Up in the Bathtub Spike. We have Desperately Scratching at the Ground to Get Back to the Initiative Spike. We have Doing a Spell to Help Giles oh Spike God. when he's like, it's almost like you're my father-in-law, isn't it? And, uh, oh, my God, it just touched my heart so much. And I love him. I love him planning the wedding with Buffy and still being snarky. Like, even though they're under this weird love spell, you know, yeah. he's still like, yes, you'll be registering as Mr. Mr. And Mrs. Big, big pile of dust, you know. And when he gets jealous about Angel and all, like, all of it, I just freaking love it. I love it. When Spike goes looking through Giles's books for a general reversal spell, the first book uh-huh. he picks up has the symbol from gingerbread on it which oh I, my god i, I love that yeah, little production design <laughs> loveliness love for it. you um mm-hmm. i love their confusion at being under the spell mm-hmm. when um you know willow says he's probably just standing out there and they say right. and then they are there they are and i thought that was going to take longer <laughs> me too <laughs> and Buffy being annoyed with Spike in that moment where he's scratching at the ground and digging. Oh, yeah. You know, is Mm -hmm. so funny. Like, she's just, she's not threatened by him at all. And I love that that gives her the space to just be kind of, you know, Mm eye-rolly around him. Right. (laughs) And we're in total screwball comedy territory with these two. I mean, that, like, trading blows where... Yeah, he smacks yeah. her and then gets the head. You know, his his chip goes off and he grabs his head and then she just whacks him back and says, "Okay, I'm gonna gag I you." Know. <laughs> like, like, I was like, and then "Yeah." She drags him back. Oh, Giles, I accidentally killed Spike. That's okay, right? right? You know, like and the way that she taunts him when she taunts him with her neck in the beginning when he's in the bathtub. Oh my God. It's so great and it is sexual. There is this sexual chemistry between the two of them and Spike when he is staring at her neck. Um, he's fifty fifty on biting or kissing like I'm sorry like Spike has been into Buffy from season two I will argue that I will argue that all day long well and like the hottest moment in this whole Mm -hmm. episode is when they're in the crypt and she falls on top of him and he goes slayer and then they just start making out and I'm like (laughs) right I have feelings about this (laughs) it's so great and uh, they are like this is both of them you know they are kind of I mean Buffy at this point would probably not admit it and then at the end you know she's like well after this whole thing I'm giving up on my whole bad boy thing this has cured me of my bad boy thing which by the way no it has not No, (laughs) in no way as a matter of fact it has specifically given you like the spike you know whatever yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever disease is you've got it bad for spike that's what you've gotten from this um so i think that there was definitely something in in something blue that like amped up whatever it is between spike and buffy and was not just the effect of the spell itself you know um so i love the whole thing i love how excited she is i love when they're planning all everything it's <laughs> so funny it's It's all so great and it's so and there is still that chemistry and there is much much more chemistry between spike and buffy in this episode than between riley and buffy during the entirety of their whole run of relationship it is so great i love all of it well partly it's it's that james marsters as spike is like yeah i mean 
thank you oh. for blessing us with this performance. Yes. Like I just yes. I feel He's I feel so like good. I'm witnessing something just truly yeah. extraordinary. I mean, the whole when she's when she's pouting and he says, mm-hmm. Oh, look at that lip. Uh, Go on and uh, get it. And I'm like, uh, Oh dear God. <laughs> it's so yeah. so good. Like the spike who is under a spell into Buffy is still like mm-hmm. they still are themselves under the yeah. spell, just like more so. Yeah. Which I think is a yeah. really great well and honest with each other because the thing is like Buffy and Riley right now are not being honest with each other mm-hmm. neither one of them knows who the other one is but with Spike and Buffy like they know each other yeah. they're actually honest and straightforward with each other because they don't care what the other one thinks yep. you know and I think that that's kind of a thing like it's you know the the honesty is is sexy and it makes the relationship just more real and we're going to get to talking about that you know of course with Riley as they as they you know finally discover who each other is you know as we move forward in the season but um but for right now like as a comparison between Spike and Buffy and Riley and Buffy especially in this episode I mean Spike and Buffy win like oh, by miles yeah, they win. <laughs> hands down Hands down, easily. <laughs> Hands down, absolutely. Um, another great thing we get in this episode, although it's not much, is Anya. Now, Anya ends up kind of being a problem um, throughout like the run where she's with Xander because more and more and more she becomes the comedy mule. She makes the jokes about how she loves money and she takes everything so literally and all this kind of stuff. But here, like as soon as she realizes that um, that Willow was taken by DeHoffrin and this is what DeHoffrin does and she explains the whole thing and then while everybody is fighting off all of these demons that are coming after Xander, she is there in the dirt making the circle, doing the incantation summoning to Hoffman. And I mean, yeah, she kind of screws it up a little bit, but it's 1120 years. It's hard to remember all that stuff. So I love her being all badass in this episode for at least a minute. I love when we give Anya some competence and capability. A millennium as a demon, you learn a thing or two. Like she had some skills. She also got to Hoffman's attention because she was doing spells. So she has some magical mojo and yet we never use her competence. We so rarely turn to Anya's competence. And I love that we did that in this episode even though it was just for a minute yeah and she knows what to do with the various demons you know the demon breaks into the basement and she's like no drowning is the only way to kill it like she knows i love yeah i love a girl who knows her demons like it's just that's right it's great i enjoy good stuff i enjoy anya i I, she's so wonderful yeah you're exactly right there's not enough for her to do but her being irritated trying to remember the Mm -hmm. words to summon to hovering is delightful and such a great little bit of vulnerability for her that like yeah 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 she forgets the words to the incantation sometimes and it's kind of a problem it's great it's It's great great. well while demons are attacking trying to remember an incantation while demons are attacking i mean i think we can sympathize with that that's a that's a stressful situation absolutely absolutely um something i want to talk about with this episode is the concept of passion. Um, uh-huh. You know, we we have Buffy at the beginning saying, real love and passion have to go hand in hand with pain and fighting. This is what she's mm-hmm. she is suggesting based on yeah. her experience, you know, thus far. And I really feel like we need to define our terms here. With a shout out <laughs> to Dr. <laughs> Kelly Jones. Um, yes. You know... <laughs> 
it's clearly passion and and the word passion mm-hmm. is kind of a, a leitmotif in this episode. Yeah. I mean, Spike's mm-hmm. show, of course, is passions, which is right. delightful. Mm-hmm. They could have chosen, you know, any number of things, but. That's right, a show. But it's, of course, it's passions. Well, passions was basically like the I don't know mid nineties, you know, uh, dark shadows. You know, it's all this like weird magical stuff. So that makes sense. But it, yeah, but I mean, considering the use of that word and and as deliberately as that word seems to be used, and again, of course, we we went back, you know, in season two, we have the episode passion, um, you know, narrated by Angel, which is so much darker when Jenny Calendar is killed, right? So I mean, talking about passion and what passion does. Um, I think is something that, you know, we hit on from time to time with Buffy and definitely in this episode. Yeah. And Willow's, I mean, Willow's spell is out of my passions, a web be spun. So yes. that raises, I mean, we're raising an interesting question of like, well, what, what exactly are we, what passion are we talking about here? Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously passion is what makes the spell work. Ultimately, it's when right. Willow gets angry that mm-hmm. her will is done or when she feels that strong emotion. Um, yep. And passion really is any powerful or compelling emotion. We have this, mm-hmm. like, we've sort of lost that word to the idea of, like, sexual heat. Sex, And yeah. it's that, but it's also just any emotion that is sort of... The powerfully felt. Yeah, or all-encompassing. Yeah, intensity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and I think something that I find really interesting is, especially with this theme of, like, marriage and coupling and, you know, mm-hmm. dating and the loss of one love and then Buffy's, you know, on the verge of this relationship, air quotes, with mm-hmm. Riley and then Magic and Spike and all of that. Mm-hmm. The passion that we actually get in this episode is very childish. It's not it's not the sexual heat. It's Willow taking her hurt out on Xander, you know, her oldest Mm -hmm. friend, like from kindergarten, Mm -hmm. you know, in a big way. She mocks him about living in a basement um, and any pain he may have associated with that. And I really don't appreciate Willow trying to make Xander's relationship status Mm -hmm. with Miss French, the praying mantis, and Ampata, the mummy girl, part of his permanent dating record, because those were not relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. But we see this passion, this this kind of childish side of passion in Willow's hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we even get, why doesn't she just marry him, which is, you know, schoolyard taunt, not, Mm -hmm. not adult processing grief and hurt kind of (laughs) kind of language and i mean she's she's in this state of it's not fair Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting that what we're actually seeing you know we're hearing Mm -hmm. about passion in relationships but what we're seeing is this childishness really i mean even buffy and spike planning a wedding and making out Mm -hmm. is totally like there's something very, very childish and super playful about it. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point of Buffy singing the wedding march and walking right. a cake topper up Spike's arm. <laughs> yeah. The only real moment, I mean, I mentioned it already, but the only real moment of heat that we have is that slayer growl that right. he gives her. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's all very like, star. you know, the, the love yeah. part 
is this like starry eyed, I'm getting married. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. What do you make of passion and the way that this episode spins it or maybe doesn't? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well, what I'm getting I at that, here. I mean, like it's well. But it's interesting, though, because passion, passion, we like culturally associate with two things, right? Sex and work, right? Mm, Follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that you feel so intensely about, you know? Um, and then the passion that we get here is this just intensity of feeling from Willow, that when she feels something intensely, it warps the reality around her, you know? Um, and it, she does say, you know, out of my passions, a web be spun, right? Um, so she's pulling that in. And it's interesting because when she She's saying, you know, let my heart be healed. It is my will that this Q-tip become unbendy, right? <laughs> she's not passionate about yeah. that. It's when she's passionate that her eyes light up and that she absolutely more like warps the world around her. Um, so it is it is interesting because one of the things about the intensity of passion is that it really resists control. It resists your ability to like keep it in check and hold it in check, you know. Um, and so I find that kind of a, an interesting little thing that in a show where we do talk about passion a lot and everything between Buffy and Spike is a really kind of immature, almost I hear my Barbie and Ken dolls getting married, you know, that this is what we see. <laughs> marriage as but the passionate moment happens for them in the middle of fighting which is both of them like that is a huge part of who each of them are and they work really well together when they're fighting together you know which is something that of course you know me yeah good romance is built on people who work well together and here they are they understand each other they're honest with each other and they work really well together and that is where that kind of real deep passion between them sort of you know shows up and I think that it shows up for Buffy too I mean I think that Spike has always had a thing for Buffy but I think in this moment you know there's some genuine excitement about Spike you know that she has the freedom to feel because she's under the influence Mm -hmm. and even in that moment where she's like well, I must be immune to the effects of the spell because, you know, I'm the slayer, right? So funny. That she doesn't, it doesn't occur to her that wanting to marry Spike is at all weird. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the whole thing. Yeah. I think it's great. Yep. It is delightful. Um, and I realized, I realized that in all of the white guilt settler feels of last week, <laughs> I completely forgot to talk about the food. And specifically the way food is representative of everything that's going on in a character's life. I mean, Mm -hmm. what they eat, how, when, what foods are around just in the the mise-en-scene. I mean, food is such a charged thing for humans of all cultures. You know, of course it is, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when a writer or production designer or actor or whomever brings food into a scene, you can be pretty confident that we're tapped into symbolism. Sure. Uh, so like anything you want to say uh-huh, about food right. is like, you know, it's anything goes. And we get some some uh, riffs on food and feeding in Something mm-hmm. Blue with, of course, Buffy feeding Spike blood right. out of the Kiss the Librarian mug. I want to know how Giles came to own that mug. Oh, one of the kids got a form for Christmas. I guarantee it. <laughs> Xander, One perhaps, of the kids it for it. very it likely feels like Xander. a Xanderian, very of likely Xander. Um, <laughs> but you know, like it's Spike drinking blood through a straw mm-hmm. out of the mug. Is this like it's intimate and ridiculous at the same time? Mm-hmm. And that is kind of Buffy and Spike's entire 
relationship oh, yeah. is this mm-hmm. intimacy mixed with ridiculousness, mixed with the grotesque of, no, yeah. he is a vampire who eats blood, but... He's a vampire who doesn't even have a soul. Like, you know, here she was with Angel. At least Angel had a soul, right? right? So she could make that. But he's a vampire without a soul. The only reason why he's not trying to kill her right now is because he'll get a migraine, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like the whole thing about Buffy and Spike, it is a, a patently ridiculous situation. And yet at the core of it, there is this very real kind of respect for each other. And I think genuine liking and enjoyment of each other she is enjoying taunting oh him. she enjoys she is him having so much. fun taunting him oh look at my neck <laughs> all exposed like she knows exactly what she's doing and she's loving and it. taunting him with being his food the idea of mm-hmm. being consumed by him in that way oh yeah is both yeah. ridiculous and sexy and uh-huh. Also grotesque. All of but that. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. It's great. And of course we have Riley feeding Buffy, you know, planning a picnic complete with ants. Oh sure. Um, uh-huh. But planning a picnic complete with, with ants. ants. And of course he brings so apples. Yeah. yeah. Of course he brings apples, right? Like pre Because what's more wholesome? Pre sliced you know? as American as mm-hmm. apple slices. Um You're right. But Buffy says, all I have to do is show up and eat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh that's I mean yeah, that's kind of great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if all it you have to nice. do is show up and eat. Like that's a good mm-hmm. that's a good basis for a yeah. relationship. At least that's a jumping off point. And of course Willow has to make it awkward at the picnic. Right. Poor Willow. Your apples are Your turning apples brown. Your apples are turning brown. <laughs> like they do. Because, of course, she's yeah. seeing the aging and decay of everything. Exactly. This is our same mm-hmm. Willow who has told Riley that, you know, it starts out great. And then you mm-hmm. rip each other's hearts out. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we've got, we have drinking as well. We talked about Willow's Willow's drinking a little bit, her mm-hmm. light beer. And yeah. then we have Giles's scotch. And I like mm-hmm. this as kind of a um, point counterpoint of childish problems versus adult problems. <laughs> Right. One is really is light cool. beer childish, I guess. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's well, it's presented in this very childish way. Like, mm-hmm. look, it's light right. beer, yes, no big is. deal. Like, teehee. Mm-hmm. Whereas Giles is like, right. nope, nobody help me. I'm gonna get the scotch. This, <laughs> like, this I, problem requires scotch. Yep, yes. Yep. Um, you know, and Willow at the end baking chocolate chip cookies. I mean, yes. I say often that you don't bake cookies for people you don't like, but. I also mm-hmm. like the idea of like guilt baking. <laughs> guilt baking <laughs> relieves thirty percent of my yeah. guilt, but only seven percent of my inner turmoil. I want to know where she's getting those numbers. Like that's, that's I very know. Specific. Well, it's just like Willow to quantify. Yes, you know. Yeah, to quantify yes. guilt and turmoil. Um, and of course, then we get the lovely, you know, Spike. Don't I get a cookie? Mm-hmm. And Buffy says, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no cookie for you." <laughs> <laughs> but then Willow shoves one in his mouth anyway because she's just tired of right. the talking. Because she feels guilty about him, too. Yep. Yep. Well, he still has oh, the Slayer God. taste in his mouth. He still has the taste of Slayer in his mouth, oh. which he will never forget and never not want because it's spiked. Uh-huh. <laughs> But there are a couple 
couple of things, though, that we didn't mention that I absolutely loved in this episode. One of them is in the beginning when when Buffy was talking about seeing Angel in L.A. even for five minutes. Hello to the pain. Now, of course, anybody who has watched Angel, that is the episode I remember you, which is the episode that grabs your heart, still beating out of your chest, throws it on the floor, stomps on it for a while while you weep. So I will remember you. It's such a bit. Buffy, of course, doesn't remember that. And then I was thinking about it and I'm like, poor Angel has to remember everything like you know we have him he remembers what happened and i will remember you he's the one who has to carry that weight with him all the time knowing what he had and then had to give up um and then of course right now over in still dead we're talking about angel season five where he has reset connor so that connor is living a normal life and has everything that he wants with a family but nobody remembers connor except for him so angel has to hold the weight of memory of everything (laughs) and i'll talk about that over on still dead but oh my my God, for that one moment, I felt that it was like a punch to the Aww. gut, you know. And it's oh, lovely it's so because hard. if you're not watching Angel, you mm-hmm. just, you know, it's it's sad and yeah. Then you're fine. You're like, oh, she went and saw Angel. It's sad fine. and sweet, you know? but also then then if you do know what happened, you're like, oh, holy shit! Oh my you God! Licked ice cream off his chest. What are you? <laughs> I know he was human. It was yeah. great. It was so great. Yeah. But anyway, and then we also have this wonderful little cameo from Elizabeth and Allen as Amy. Uh, yes. <laughs> First, she's a perfectly normal girl, and then you <laughs> see her naked on the bed, looking around like, what the hell? Then she's a rat, you know, and she goes right. Oh my god! It's one of the best moments in this whole episode. I just it's love it. So great! It's so great. Thank you to everyone who I made know. that moment possible. Because absolutely, is it is it corny a little bit? But it works. Oh god, I oh love well. it. I love it so, so much. It's well. just it's the best thing. That's one of those things that you know came up in the writers' room where they're all like, "Oh, we could do this," you know. And sometimes those things don't work out well, but sometimes they do. So poor Elizabeth Ann Allen is not wearing anything. But Noelle, this week, what are you wearing? Willow's stripy knit poncho that she's right. wearing in the graveyard. It's so restrictive. Yeah. yeah, it's not a loose and flowy poncho. It's like no. it almost looks binding. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she's walking through the graveyard with Buffy talking about relationships and how, you know, they go horribly wrong if there's any fire yes. in them. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Like, we're back to the heart protecty sort of shield chest covering for Willow. Willow is very, <laughs> she's she is yes. um, very bound up. She's her, protecting her heart. Her, her view of relationships. Um, mm-hmm. And I also love that Willow wears a purple top with flower appliques on it that are reminiscent of Mm -hmm. the Lesbian Alliance banners color scheme. Oh, God, interesting. And as yet another testament to the brilliance happening in the still pretty Discord chat, uh, Sada, the costume nerd, pointed out Mm -hmm. that Willow's largely purple wardrobe at this point might be a marker of her queerness. Um, Purple as a color is associated with lesbians. And, of -hmm. course, there's the Lavender Menace, the informal group of radical uh, lesbian feminists who came together in 1970 to protest the exclusion of lesbians and lesbian issues from the feminist movement. So, hey, good for them. (laughs) So good for them. Yeah. Thank you, Sada, for reminding me of my gay lady history. And I highly, highly recommend checking out her YouTube channel. The Costume Codex for deep dives into Buffy the Vampire Slayer and wardrobe. I know she does fantastic videos on the costuming and Buffy. So you guys absolutely have to check that out. We will put the link in the show notes. All right. So we have a wonderful moment this week. 
um, which tickled me. So I'm going to pull this audio and we're going to use it whenever we do our girl power moment of the week. Oh, not with a girl pal, babe. All right. So, Noelle, what do you have for your girl power? Willow standing up for herself is great mm-hmm. saying no one wants to be inconvenienced by her grief mm-hmm. even though she takes it out on giles and not on buffy i'm giving her credit for mm-hmm. self-knowledge right um, right i talked about anya knowing her demons of course she does mm-hmm. it's great anya is demon literate i appreciate it yes um <clears throat> excuse me and of course speaking of demons willow telling to Hoffren, I don't want to be a demon. I just want to go back and help my friends. And she says it with like all of this conviction, but also fear because we don't yet know that De Hoffren is not going to be like, all right, crack cool. down. Yeah. Like we're Here's waiting. my talisman call. Maybe change your mind. We're waiting for the, you know, the Sturm yeah. and Drong of, of De Hoffren yeah. to like come down on poor Willow. And mm-hmm. instead he's like, huh, oh, well, <laughs> give us <Yeah>. a chant. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> It's so great. It's so great. I love it. All right. So, Noel, what is your favorite part? Oh, my God. I have so many favorite parts. Mm -hmm. Um, Can most of the episode be my favorite part? Most of the episode. You know what? Your favorite part can be whatever you want. I mean, okay. Every basically every other line is my favorite part. Mm -hmm. This is some of my favorite writing. Um, But James Marsters just kills it with Mr. and Mrs. Big Pile of Dust. (laughs) Like, I just. I so love it. I love it. I love it so much. And uh and and yeah, yeah, when he growls Slayer at Buffy yes. as they're as the fight is going on and then they proceed That's to pretty good. nope out of the fight by making out. It's it's pretty hot, actually. It is. I like it. It's really, really great. <laughs> what about you, Lonnie? What's your favorite part? Oh, just all the Spike and Buffy, like all of it. Um, but while the constant making out and the ridiculousness of the wedding, like it's really fun. There's so much fun stuff there. I think my favorite part is when Spike steps up to help out Giles and he says, it's kind of like you're my father-in-law now, you know? Um, I love the way that he loves Buffy so much that it extends to the people around her, you know? And that even though he's had this conflict, you know, with Giles, they don't like each other very much. Um, he... As the second there's a problem, while Buffy's, you know, talking to Giles, he's up, he's looking through the books, he's figuring everything out, he's finding a solution. Like, I just, I don't know, there's something about that that I really just love. Oh, they're all a family now. I know, they're family (laughs) now. It's so great. All right, if you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. I am at Lonnie Diane Rich, and Noelle is at Noelle Allowed, and the hashtag is Still Pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our October producers. Jonathan, Noelle, Kristen, Alyssa, Alice, Erica, Shelley, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers, stop that right now. I can hear the smacking. <laughs> to find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or detail Giles's car. We will be back next time with Hush. Oh my God. The 10th episode of season four. <laughs> Until then, just think of my lips as the fruit roll-ups of love. <laughs>